You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. On today's episode, which is being dropped on the 11th day of February 2021, I have the honor, let's just call it the privilege, of bringing back to the show the host of Locked On A's, Jason Burke. And I have a feeling... We're going to talk about the A's. This show is available on the free and easy to use Himalaya podcasting app. Or is it the Himalaya? I've heard some people pronounce it Himalaya, not Himalaya. I'm going, I'm, I'm just dragging this out because I'm refusing to let Jason say a word until I introduce him. Uh, we're available wherever you get your podcast. And when you're staying at home in these uh, emotionally complicated times, be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast locked on. MLB, or check out some of the other great shows in the Lockdown Podcast Network, including Lockdown Today with Peter Bukowski, which uh, last week or the week before, I can't remember, featured your pal Sully. And hey, while we're at it, why don't you listen to Lockdown A's with Jason Burke? You can follow this show on Twitter at Lockdown MLB Pod. Same handle for Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. You can send me emails, including for the Sunday requests at my personal account. <clears throat> which is Sully Baseball, and on Instagram, I'm at Sully Baseball Podcast. Hey, the Oakland A's did something in 2020 that they've only done once before since 1990, and that is they won a postseason series. Unfortunately, uh, they're still only at two, but they play in the American League West where your guess is as good as mine, but my guest is better than yours because I'm bringing in Jason Burke of Lockdown Ace. How you doing, man? How's it going, Sully? You kept me in the green room, but uh, you really drugged that one out. But little did you know, the green room is okay with me because the A's have green and gold. So uh, I was very comfortable in there. I was just waiting. I, I was smiling politely, if you will. There's no, uh, place, you'd rather, you, no place you'd rather be than the green room. Oh, no, definitely not. No, that's definitely where I make uh, all of my best friends. Green By the way, can I just tell you something? This has nothing to do with anything, but people who've been listening to this podcast, and I know I have been, uh, know that I've been in the middle of a, of a writing project. And I've been, it, it's about the 1972 postseason and all the things that happened in a basically a three-week span. A thousand things collided and resulted in drama and cultural and racial and financial and political significance and arguably the greatest postseason ever played and farewell to two of the greatest icons Roberto Clemente and Jackie Rao all these things happened at once and along the way I have found myself reading a lot as research and I seem to constantly be reading about the A's like there have been five or six books about whether it's been about Finley or about the A's in general or about um, Catfish or Dick Williams. I'm constantly reading about the A's. And the other book I'm reading is about the final years of Connie Mack. So every book that I'm reading for the last three months has been about your team. So I feel like I'm a rabid A's fan myself. (laughs) 
they had some good years back then. And if you go back and watch like Ken Burns's baseball, you don't know that they're a team at all, even though they've had some really good seasons and runs and all that stuff. But uh, they get kind of left by the wayside if you take a broad view of baseball history. But if you, you zoom in a little bit, they're a lot of fun and they've had a lot of fun teams and they're a good part of baseball history. Uh, they got nine championships. So, uh, you know, they're one of the winningest teams in baseball history. So uh, yeah. they, they need more of a, of a light. And I appreciate you uh, doing some of that lighting. One of the really surreal things, and we'll get to more recent things than the 1940s. But one of the surreal things is that the, the athletics were the team of Philadelphia. They won pennants and, uh, in the 1900s, the 1910s, the 1920s, the 1930s, and had some of the great stars in baseball history and were, the, for a long period of time, the most consistent, even though they had a couple of rebuilds, most consistent champions in the American League. And, and then things fell apart so fast that they moved, that they, they were the team of Philadelphia and then the Phillies who were a joke where, you know, when all the teams started moving around, it was the A's who moved. And one of the truly fascinating, or the, the, so, and a lot of it has to do with the stubbornness of Connie Mack and refusing to give up the team and, and handing the reins over to his son. So it was sort of kind of like, it was a little King Lear was going on, uh, a little bit of the Godfather, except all the kids were Fredo. And, and then when you look at their history between Kansas City and Finley buying the team, they were uh, rumored to move everywhere but my backyard. And Finley, like Finley, it was announced they're moving to Louisville, and there was announced that they were going to go to Dallas, and they were going to move to, you know, at one point they're going to move to Denver, they're going to move to New Orleans, they were playing footsie with Seattle before the pilots were created, and all this stuff, and then. Even in, you know, even later, they almost moved to Denver. In fact, they were this close to moving to Denver in the late 70s. And you know, are they going to move to San Jose and all this stuff? But the interesting thing for me historically is when the A's play in 2021, they will have played as many years in Oakland as they did in Philadelphia. So this is the year where they even out. The legacy evens out for the A's. And maybe they'll get some shovels in the ground at some point so that they can make it a really, really long lasting uh, one and not just, you know, barely beat their Philadelphia stay. That'd be uh, that'd be nice. Yeah, I, I'm telling you what I, I've said this a couple of times before. There's two things about the statement. I lived in the Bay Area for a long time. Uh, I have a very big soft spot in my heart, obviously, for the A's. Um, the, the only time I never liked the A's was during the La Russa years because I because they beat up the Red Sox. But uh, every other era, I've just, I've liked the A's. I've liked the players they've had. And to me, first of all, it's obvious where they should put the stadium. They should knock down the Coliseum and put the stadium in the parking lot there. I mean, to me, it's like, why not just do that? I mean, the Warriors are gone. The Raiders are gone. Just do it there. But if you're going to do it by the, if you're going to do it by the pier, if you're going to do it though, wherever they wind up doing it, what I hope they do and forgive me, listeners who heard me say this before, I want it to be the Epcot of stadiums. And let me explain what I mean by that. You know what, you know what Epcot, you know, Epcot Center in, uh, in uh, Disneyland or Disney World in Orlando, you know that, right? 
Of course, yeah. My, my eyes lit up when I heard Epcot. I was like, yeah, Disneyland A's. I like this wherever well, well, it's going. Well, here, guess what? Disney World. I, Disney World. But I'm, I'm going to go even further. Do you know what Epcot stands for? What that means? Epcot. The Experimental Prototype City of Tomorrow. Epcot. Ah, okay. And what Disney's dream was, why he bought up all that land in Orlando, was he was going to create an an urban think tank. He was going to create a city where all the people who were coming up with all these ideas of ways to improve modern cities could experiment in this city that he was building. The park was going to pay for it. But his main thing, I'm going to create a city and all this urban planning and all this experimental stuff was going to be done there. And he happened. Now, the worst thing to ever happen in anyone's career happened to Disney at that time, which is he died. But <laughs> and they decided instead they turned Epcot into like this permanent world fair. And they never they built a couple of little stuff, but they didn't do Disney's dream. So so hear me out. The A's have always been an innovative franchise. They've always been, whether, whether it was Finley, whether it was Connie Mack, whether it was LaRusso, whether it was Billy Bean, they're always doing things a little bit differently. And so why not have a stadium where you go there to see the game, but there's all this new technology that they're experimenting with. And that becomes part of the draw to come to the stadium as well. Like we went there, they have these, they have these scoreboards on the back of the chairs. They do this thing here. Yeah. They're trying it out there to see if it works. So it's like a laboratory where you also have the game and the drive to see the ballpark is as much for the experience. Kind of like when Camden Yards opened, you want that became a success. The Orioles stunk when they opened, but everyone wanted to see the ballpark. And so there's a reason to go to the A's, not just to watch the game, but to, so there's this new thing they're doing. We should check it out. It's really weird. It's very Silicon Valley-y. It's very, it's very high-tech-y. And so it's not the traditional feel of the Giants. It's the Epcot of the A's. What do you think? I'm super on board. Uh, John Fisher, the A's owner, would not be. Uh, he might give away some you know, jeans or something, but it, it's not going to be... Uh, a big thing for him. He owns the gap. That's where that joke came from. I, 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 uh, I got to tell you. Bezos owned the team. I could see them super getting into technology. And, you know, he, if you wanted to do something like that, that'd be kind of cool. Um, I would like to see that scoreboards on the back of the seat. I, that as a, as a baseball fan that just likes paying attention to the game, that is a, uh, that's a thing that is going to stick with me. And I really want that to happen now. According to the uh, San Francisco Chronicle in an article that came out today by Sarah Ravani, it's uh, with a headline, A's clear hurdle to build waterfront stadium. Uh, an Alameda County Superior Judge ruled in favor of the A's Wednesday in a lawsuit that would have derailed the plans um, to build the stadium on the waterfront. Um, there's there's still a long way to go um i you know i mean how long has this been going on i mean i definitely this... gave a speech about this at san francisco state 15 years ago or so about them going to san jose and uh that never happened and fremont so at least was 15 a... years yeah fremont san jose that whole thing um yeah, it's it's been a while, and like even this new track with the Howard Terminal, this one's been going on two least, or three years. Yeah, but say it, at least maybe three, six. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I it, mean, it, it just kind of blends together at this point. <laughs> and it's so surreal for me. 
uh, you know, I, I lived in the Bay Area for a long time and I worked in I worked for the high tech company. There's so much money and they're constantly building stuff constantly. Palo Alto in 2021 bears no resemblance to the Palo Alto that I lived in in 1990. And they're constantly like buildings that were built in the 90s or 2000s are being raised and building up new stuff. And it's all shiny and new come aboard and let me welcome you. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you're trying to tell me they can't, someone can't, you know, that's why I was saying about the, the Coliseum parking lot. It's like, build it there, just build something. You know, you can't, you know. It's right there. It's, it's open for you and they already own half the land. So yeah. why not? You know, and, and it would behoove, wouldn't it behoove the city of Oakland to have them do that? Because it's like, you don't have the Raiders anymore. You don't have the Warriors anymore. So I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. The green in, I, I really, in that region is not just the A's. There's so much money there. It's, it's, it's obscene. They can't build a stadium? I don't know. I mean, I, they want to do it privately financed and all that stuff. So I, I if it takes longer and it's privately financed, that's great, sure. But I don't know that uh, it should take 15 years for it to happen. Obviously, they've uh, switched the head of the ownership group. Um, they've taken it from an actual owner and Lou Wolf to dave cavill who's the president now um i don't think that he actually has anything to do with you know, he, he's a nice face he he's a quick talker so uh he seems like a very nice guy but he's not the one really pulling the strings on the ownership group at all and uh i think that the the town really needs to start letting them do things uh, let, let them go let them see what they need to do it shouldn't take this long for hearings to be had and you know all the yeah. red tape they, they've known for forever that this is something that they want to do be ready for it come on and, and i know that uh, i'm taking out the covid uh, era because mm -hmm. you know obviously you can't do stuff there but they could have been building if they had gotten further along by this point built construction was okay for the last year could have been done so yeah would have been able to keep people employed during covid but no, it's okay. So when would you bet that they're, if you're, if you're a betting man, when would you put a bet down that they're going to actually have the stadium? If it's in Oakland, I'd say 2025, maybe. It feels like it's either put up or shut up time or it's going to have to be sooner rather than later. And so I'm giving them a little bit of leeway there, but I don't see the ownership group or either they sell, which I doubt it until they get the stadium or uh, they just, move because they need to make their money at some point and they're not going to put money into the uh, team. So they got to do it some other way. And that would be the way to do it. Um, it it's one of those two things. And so I'm going to say 2025, if they stay in Oakland, yeah, maybe a few years after that, if they move. So, well, it's part of the A's philosophy has always been to sort of tinker and make repairs and do it, you know, economically sensibly. Which is kind of like how I like to work with my car. Now, did you know that chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers? RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. And best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. I spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to RockAuto.com right now. 
right now and see all the parts that are available for your car or truck and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. It's at rockauto.com. I was talking about bets. I wish you could bet on where the stadium will end up for the A's. Are they going to build in the parking lot? Are they going to do in the waterfront? Or are they just going to head on up to Portland? Whatever bets you want to make, get it done at betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. I wonder if they do have the stadium odds. I'm going to have to look that up. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. Maybe they'll even cover bets on podcasts. BetOnline.ag has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code locked on. Get more of your sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down biggest stories with analysis from our local expert start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes subscribe to locked on today wherever you get podcasts hey we're here with jason burke and i just want everyone to see how easily i slid into the live reads there did you you just uh, we were talking we were talking about popping the hoods and making bets boom seamless 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 Yes, you, you got me with uh, with some of those. That was fun. <laughs> hey, um, okay, let's talk. Let's not talk stadium or the past. Let's talk the present and the future. Uh, the, the A's, okay, they had for the you know, the truncated season. Say it with me, everyone. It was truncated. Um, there, there was a, it was a fun year. It was a fun year. Um, I still believe Melvin is the best. I I can't believe he didn't win Manager of the Year, and he yeah, you know, but. Uh, Melvin's the best manager in the American League, in my humble opinion. And um, it would have been nice if they had beaten the Astros. I don't know what they would have done against Tampa. But they've had a busy offseason, as they always do. So let's talk a little bit about the big moments, which are losing Simeon, the Chris Davis deal, and some of the other moves that have happened in their pitching staff. Okay. Uh, Well, they lost Liam Hendricks, who is... Uh, MLB just said that he is the best reliever in baseball. So that, that hurts. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Simeon, he's not, you know, up there with your Trevor stories or your Francisco Lindors, but he was a very affordable player for the A's and he grew up in the area. He was a hometown kid. He was a big part of what they do in the clubhouse. And uh, he was a, like a quiet team leader. So losing him um, maybe on the field, it doesn't hurt as much, but in the clubhouse, it's going to have an impact. I would feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I think that they went out and got somebody like Elvis Andrews, who is also not great on the field. But if you can put Elvis Andrews there and if he's league average, then you still get a little bit of personality with him in the clubhouse. And then you can kind of replace Marcus Simeon on the aggregate on the field if they go out and sign, you know, like they just got a Jed Lowry on a minor league deal today. If he's healthy and he's, you know, roping 35 doubles a year and he's the DH, or if he stays healthy enough and he can play second base, all of a sudden they're in a pretty decent position. Um, and it 
basically cost them nothing because minor league deal. Um, maybe they go out and, you know, try and add another fun player like you want to suspend as and just get the band back together. Um, there, there, are, there are options there now with Chris Davis on the move because he was owed or is owed uh, $16.75 million. The A's no longer have to pay that. And the Rangers sent over money to pay Elvis Andrews for this year. So basically they got to pay Elvis for one season, but they get him for two. And uh, that that's where it makes sense. If you're an A's fan, um, could they have gotten better players? Could they have just re-signed Marcus Simeon? Sure, probably. But uh, they didn't really want to spend a ton of money. So now you get Elvis Andrews, see what he does, uh, see if the change of scenery helps him out a little bit. Hopefully, like last year, he was not great. He hit under 200. His WRC plus was like 50 or 75. It, it was not great. He was well below league average at the bat. He missed 31 games. I'm worried about his back. I'm not worried about what he's going to be doing on the field. Because if he goes down and he's missing time, then they're back where they started, which is, is Nick Allen the starting shortstop? He hasn't played above double A. Is it Chad Pinder, who's got 224 innings at shortstop, uh, but he's also been in the majors a little bit more? Then they're back at square one. But if Andrews is healthy, I think that this team could be okay. So that's where I'm leaving that one. Yeah, I think that it was a move that, um, I think you're, you're spot on with everything there. And I think the fact that uh, with losing Simeon, who's probably worth more than the back of his baseball card would show to the team, like you mentioned, but by bringing in Elvis Andrews, I, I, I had described the trade as two players in need of a change of scenery. And sometimes a change of scenery will do you good. And you know, uh, Elvis Andrews's back is not great. He's obviously had a bunch of injury issues the last few years, but as recently as 2017, he was a really good player. You know, he hit for power, had speed, good average, decent OPS for a shortstop. Um, and that maybe, you know, the getting him out of Texas and giving him a fresh start and playing on a team that's probably going to be a contender uh, could be a little spark, especially if you're saying, hey, we're not asking you to be the all-star that you were in the beginning of the 2010s, where you were, you know, made a couple all-star teams and was one of the best shortstops in baseball for a period of time. Just be an, just be a serviceable major league shortstop. Make sure that shortstop isn't a hole. And if he could do that and do that in exchange for Chris Davis, who stunk last year, and you don't know if he's going to flame out. I mean, he, he may go to Texas and, and start mashing the ball. But it to come in and say, hey, want to play for a contender? Play for a contender. There's your job. You know, it, to me, there was a very low risk. I think losing Hendricks, I think, is the biggest kick to the mm-hmm. face. Um, just because I think he he was so good last year. And he was really good the year before that. And... Um, to lose him to another contender, I just think, uh, you know, I mean, he, he's a relief pitcher in his 30s and they can fl- and relief pitchers in their 30s uh, have an astonished basically have the, uh, the you know, they don't have a shelf life, you know, so in one sense, you can understand that. But in the other sense, he was the anchor to their bullpen and their bullpen was one of their big strengths last year. They had the best bullpen ERA in the majors last year. So they had the best bullpen and then they lost, I believe, five guys. So uh, if you include Mike Miner in that, uh, which if you want to, sure. Um, 
they've lost some key guys. Uh, also, Joaquin Soria, he signed with the Twins. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Signed. See, I, I didn't check. I, I guess I'm high. I didn't realize they lost Soria as well. Look at that. Yeah, uh, Soria's gone. Uh, Yusmero Petit, who's been very solid. He's still on the free agent market, but my guess is Bob Melvin loves him. Sure, he's like 36, 37 years old, but he gets the job done. He can go in in whatever situation you want him to, and he adds a little bit of a veteran presence because they have some intriguing arms right now. They got a lefty from Pittsburgh and Nick Turley. He's out of options. He's probably going to make the team. He's got high spin rates. Let's see what he does with, you know, A's coaching because the A's can turn guys around like that uh, every year. But right now they're relying on like five guys turning it around as opposed to like one, maybe two. And I think that that's where they need a little bit more of a veteran presence. I don't think that they're going to hit the gate being a very, very good bullpen, but they could work that their way there over the course of a season because they've got some guys that have one or two options left that they've brought in who offer some intrigue at the very least. They got uh, Danny Jimenez, who's a rule five pick, who's going to be probably in the bullpen because the A's don't really make rule five picks unless they're going to stick with the team forever. So uh, they don't just waste those picks on anybody. Um, so they've got some interesting guys in there that can make them a very good bullpen, but it's just going to be a matter of them showing it over the course of a season. Um, obviously you got Jake Diekman is probably your best bet to be the closer to start the season, but he's also a lefty. So if it were up to me, I'd probably use him in more of a situational role and have JB Wendell can be the more full-time closer, but you can kind of interchange those two guys as you see fit, depending on the game situation. And then Lou Trevino has been there. Uh, he's been good at times. He's gotten blown ups at times. So he might be the seventh inning guy as things sit right now, but I could see him falling back into his usual role from the last couple of seasons since he fell from his elite first, uh, you know, rookie season and just seeing what like guys like Nick Turley and uh, Danny Jimenez and the other uh, Jordan Weems, uh, Birch Smith, they've got a bunch of guys with talent. Uh, Birch Smith, they got last year um, actually in a trade with the Giants, which does not happen ever. And he was really good for like 10 innings before he got hurt. So if he can stay healthy, maybe he's another solid pick, uh, pick up for them, then see where it goes from there. But they have the makings of a good bullpen. I just don't know that it's going to start out that way. And fans are definitely going to panic, but they, they've got the makings of stuff there. Some guys might need more coaching. Some of them might just need a change of scenery and uh, we'll see what happens. Well, um, before we wrap up here, I want to give you two pieces of what I think are uh, optimism for the A's going into 2021. Uh, assuming that everything goes on and we have a full season and everything like that. I think two things should be heartening for A's fans as they match the years in Oakland as they had in Philadelphia. Um, that is, I don't trust the Rangers. The Angels can't get out of their own way. My newly adopted team, the Mariners, are at least two years away. The Astros have gotten older, have lost some key players. The A's, I think, right now are the only good team in that division. I mean, I don't totally count out. I don't totally count out Houston, especially because like Framber Valdez and Jose Urquidy could develop into fine pitchers and fill some of those gaps. But that being said, uh, there are three tomato cans in that division. Can I give you my quick Astros take? Sure. All right. So last year, and I've said this for every, every player that who struggled last year, 2020 stats throw them out the window. It was yes. a weird year. Yes. You can't do a lot with those stats, but the Astros guys like their Bregman, Altuve, Correa, 
they struggled in the first 60, got good in the playoffs. My question for them is, was it more of a mental thing for them or was it, you know, 2020 COVID season? And so I don't know that they're necessarily going to rebound to where they were in 2019, 2018 and all those seasons. And then you got Jordan Alvarez who, sure, he could definitely make up for George Springer if he's healthy, but if he's healthy is a big question because he was 23 dealing with hamstring injuries. And if he's out all of a sudden, that team is not necessarily that good. And, uh, I think that they had some smoke and mirrors going with how they made the playoffs last year and then definitely how they advanced in the playoffs last year. Can you do that over a full 162? I don't think so. Um, I, I don't know that they're going to be able to make it into the playoffs at roughly 500 again this year. So they're going to have to improve. And if those guys, you know, do what they've done over their careers, sure. But I'm not a hundred percent sold that they're going to, because as you said, they're getting older and uh, I don't know if they're playing in front of fans if they're going to be mentally okay enough to be getting booed mercilessly for the first time that since, uh, since the cheating scandal. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the other thing is that people waiting to boo them. They finished the season 14 and 21, you know, they, they finished the season losing, um, you know, losing, what was it? <laughs> that's uh, two thirds of their games. Well, and that's you know, because they had the guaranteed uh, the second team in the AL West was going to get a spot. And they were like, yeah. hey, we can do this. The Angels are no threat to us. So they just coasted right in. And that's why. Imagine, just imagine if the Angels had uh, put mediocrity around Mike Trout. If they just, if they just, if that was their Everest was being mediocre, then the Astros would have been we would be talking about the Astros being done, you know, and oh, I don't, and I don't see, you know, when you, you lose, you know, uh, there was no way this Astros team would have made the postseason in a regular playoff situation. And the fact that they didn't have the likes of, you know, Verlander, what pitched one game, I think did he even pitch one game. Yeah. yeah he pitched the one he pitched game. Yeah. yeah. He pitched oh, he one game. Peacock pitched three games. Um, I mean, they were they were a team that that was if that team you know went off the long haul, more than one person. I think I may have said it as well that maybe they would have righted the ship over 162, or maybe they would have crashed and burned. So I, the A's right now are the only team that I think are poised to have a winning record. And the other thing is to keep in mind, there's still like 125 free agents. People have been non-tender. People are just going to be looking for a job. And if you're going to be bargain hunting, especially when you're looking around and you're saying, hmm, we need some depth here. We need some depth there. You could probably get someone. And look, at I hate talking about it as if I'm playing supermarket sweep. But the A's look for things on the cheap. And when you're going to have a bunch of players who are going to realize they don't have a job and spring training's opening up, all of a sudden, some of the holes in the bullpen and depth in the outfield, the depth in the infield will be easier to fill when you, you recreate the scene with uh, Chris Pratt from Moneyball. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, I think that the Astros, if everything had happened where they were just ranked one through eight, the Astros would have been the eighth seed in last year's playoffs. And I have a hard time seeing them beating the Rays when the Rays are trying and not, you know, trying to take it to seven games. So they would have been swept in two games 
in the wild guard around it. And, and then we're having that same conversation. Are they done? So I think that just the way that everything shook out last year uh, gave Astros fans some life. I think that they're still good, but I'm not convinced that they're good anymore. Um, they're they're going to have to prove it to me this time. They're a hell of a lot better than the Mariners. They're a hell of a lot better than Texas. And I still don't know what the Angels are doing. I have no if clue the what they're just doing. Got like a pitcher, just just like a Garrett pitcher. Cole and, a couple of years ago, or right. I did a whole thing on that the other day of all the great pitchers, whether it was Cole or Grinky or Verlander or Price or or Sale or you know, all these pitchers who have changed, you know, Scherzer who have changed uniforms since the last time the Angels won the division. None of them have gone to Anaheim. If one of them did, Trout may not be playing golf every October. One guy that if they traded for him, I would take the Angels seriously, Herman Marquez. I mm-hmm. think that they could trade you know, Joe Adele and maybe something else, but you can trade some, like a decent prospect that they actually have, which you don't necessarily need because they still got Brandon Marsh waiting in the wings and they got all these other outfielders too. You go get Herman Marquez, all of a sudden, maybe they win that division. Maybe. I'm not saying that it's a guarantee, but I would like their chances a lot more. They're at so. least a wild card team. They're at least a yeah. wild card team if they do that. But so they do I, that. And the Mariners, your, your new team, if they got a little bit of pitching too and improve their defense, uh, oh, is that be all? The oh, is that all? Oh, division. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's all. That's all. Uh, if they, in the next couple of years, they are going to be the rulers of this division. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch because so. uh, they have been beaten down for so long. And I'm, I'm excited to watch them as an A's fan. It's not going to be fun playing them, but I'm very excited to go see, you know, Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kalanick. They're at least two years away. They're at least that oh, I've been, looking at them. I look at 2022. I think the Mariners are going to be a, a very good team and should probably be big players in the free agent market because that's how you should play. The free agent feels like okay, we have the, we have the pieces here. Let's fill in some holes with some veterans. Uh, they're not there yet. They're at least they're, yeah. This is they have one more year to sort of see what's cooking. Um, them Trevor's story, see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be intrigued. But, but uh, all right, well, hey, look at man, I'm 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 optimistic about the A's. I think they're going to be they're my pick to win the division, and uh, you know, roll the dice. One of these years, we're going to have a good <laughs> sequel to Moneyball. Finally, a happy ending where he's not listening to his daughter. His daughter, I think, is out of college. She's no longer playing the songs. <laughs> I'm just a little dick and I want to pay ASCAP, but tell people where they can hear you talk about, let's say it, the 2021 World, World Series Champion. Champion Locked On A's podcast. Um, uh, the, the podcast is Locked On A's. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On A's. I am at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you're an A's fan and you have some questions for me, uh, just send those to lockdownathletics at gmail.com. I usually get to those uh, pretty quick. So I uh, love interacting with people. So uh, feel free to reach out. All right. And uh, also, if you have anything you want me to talk about, send it to me via my Twitter handle, which is at Sully Baseball. And we could talk about it on the Sunday request. Talking A's, whether it's the days of Connie Mack, you know, from Jimmy Fox to Nate Orff. We're going to talk about the A's (laughs) (laughs) with Jason Burke. This is Locked On MLB, 11th day of February 2021. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.